Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Thank you, worship team. And good morning, Sunrise. I want to welcome all of you to the Rialto campus of Sunrise Church, as well as those of you who are watching online, special welcome to you as well. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm really excited about today. Today is a day where we're going to be sharing with you what we believe is the next season at Sunrise, because we stand at a watershed moment, a moment in which God is challenging our church to increase our impact, both in the Inland Empire and around the globe. And we stand together as a church at the starting blocks of a faith journey. And so this morning, I just encourage you to lean in. Let's dig into God's word and embrace together this mission critical step our church must take. So if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, you're going to want to find your way over to the New Testament book of James chapter 1. If you were with us last week, we talked about when the church was born, how on one day 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus, and this movement that we're a part of all these years later uh, is still happening, began back then. And in that early church, there was a couple of key leaders, guys like Peter and the Apostle Paul, as well as the half-brother of Jesus, a man named James. James wrote his own bare-knuckled book in the New Testament. And he encouraged followers of Jesus to live out their faith. Let's begin in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. Here's what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So James's writing style is a little bit blunt. And when he's referring to the word here, what he's talking about are the words God spoke, which would have been the scriptures they had available to them at the time, the Old Testament, as well as the teachings of Jesus. And the New Testament was still in the process of being written. And so James encourages them, hey, let's not just read about it, let's do something about it. He continues in verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's a powerful illustration James uses. Essentially what he says is that the Bible is a mirror. And so when you read the Bible, you ought to see yourself. You ought to see your own heart, your own motives, your own shortcomings. That's probably one of the reasons why we don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to have to deal with us. And so James goes on to give some very specific ways followers of Jesus can live out their faith. And among them is one of the most misunderstood verses in the entire book. And that's verse 27. He says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What did James mean here? Was he suggesting that the only kind of pure ministry a follower of Jesus can, can, can have and can work on, can commit, is ministering to widows and orphans. So that means those of you who live out your faith by serving the poor, meh, that's okay. But it's not pure religion. It's not widows and orphans. Those of you who are discipling children and teenagers, eh, that's okay too. But it's still not pure religion. Those of you who live out your faith by telling others about Jesus, admirable, but still not pure religion. But 
my neighbor across the street, she doesn't know Christ. Well, is she a widow? Uh, no. Is she an orphan? I don't think so. Eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> that cannot be what James means. Now, what did he mean by this statement? Well, to best understand it is to best understand the plight of widows and orphans during the time of this writing. Let's start with widows first. Widows, by definition, are married people whose spouses have passed away. And in the, in the Bible times, this was a particularly heavy burden for women. Women were already second-class citizens. They were cut out of politics. Their, their testimonies didn't count in a court of law, not to mention thousands of years of cultural expectations. So quite frankly, in ancient days, if a woman wanted to thrive in society, she had to be married. It was through her husband that she would receive protection and provision and cultural acceptance. But what if that husband died? Well, the next best situation would be if her father could take her in. But what if her father was no longer living? Well, then her sons could take her in. Well, what if she didn't have any sons? Or they passed away, or they were just selfish and didn't want to help her out. Then she was totally vulnerable, completely in need. Those of you familiar with your Bibles may be thinking of Naomi from the Old Testament. Jesus, on the other hand, revolutionized the world in the way that he treated women. And that certainly included widows. In fact, as Jesus was, was dying on a cross, he only had enough air left in his lungs to make a couple of statements. And this was one of them. John 19, verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. One of Jesus' final statements from the cross was caring for a widow, his own mother. What's fascinating is that Mary had other sons who could have taken care of her. And one of them was the guy we were just reading from, James. So why is it that Jesus asked his disciple John to care for his mother when there was other sons capable of doing so? Well, none of them were at the cross. John was. And by all indications, James didn't start following Jesus until after the resurrection. Perhaps the guilt of not being there for his own mother is what led James to write such stern words about caring for widows. As for orphans, orphans by definition are children whose parents are no longer in their lives. In the ancient days, the most common reason for that was because they died. Life expectancy was much lower than resulting in a higher percentage of orphans. And because we live in a sinful and broken world, there was a particularly evil practice that was at work in the Gentile world back in those ancient times. It was a practice known as exposure. And the way that it worked was that the head of the household, the father, possessed the legal right to determine whether or not a family member should live or die. This decision was typically made within the first eight days of the child's life. And so if the father determined that this child should not live, maybe they were too poor to care for it or too rich, they didn't feel like dividing up the inheritance or the child was born illegitimately, whatever the case was, what they would do is abandon the baby on a dunghill where it would almost certainly die. And this was a culturally acceptable process. This may be hard to believe, but back then, Society justified the killing of babies. Boy, we've come a long way, haven't we? 
Jesus, on the other hand, had an entirely different way of thinking about children. And, you know, and, and while the, the Jewish religion opposed the practice of exposure, they didn't exactly have a high view of children either. But look at Jesus. This happened one day, and this is recorded in Matthew 18. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There was not a rabbi on the planet who talked about children this way. Jesus totally dignified kids. And then he took it up a notch when he said this in verse 5. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Not only did Jesus dignify children, he elevated them to his own status. You know, what's fascinating is that by the fourth century, the practice of exposure began to shift dramatically. Instead of people abandoning their unwanted children on a dunghill, they started leaving them on the steps of monasteries and cathedrals because word spread that people who follow Jesus treat children better, which is, by the way, how orphanages began. Jesus, in terms of how he cared for widows and orphans, was the perfect embodiment of what James called pure religion. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just exclusively minister to widows and orphans. He helped the blind, the poor, the outcasts, the marginalized, the misfits, the diseased, those born with birth defects. Were any of them less important than widows and orphans? Of course not. So what did James mean when he said pure religion is caring for orphans and widows in their distress? Here's what I think he meant. Widows and orphans had one massive thing in common. They were examples of people who were totally in need and had nothing to offer, which means that when you help them, you can pretty much be confident you're not getting anything in return. Here's another way to say it, and this is so central. I want us to take hold of this this morning. Jesus loves giving without getting. Jesus loves when his followers practice giving of themselves, sacrificing of themselves, blessing others, knowing fully they aren't going to get paid back. And that, that's why I think he, he called it pure. And, and the second part of James 1.27, he says, to, to care for widows and orphans in distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What does that mean? Polluted by the world is when that little voice in the back of your head says, what's in it for me? And, I, and, and pollution is the opposite of purity. When you have a motive of helping somebody with no expectation return, that's a pure motive. That's why I think James said in the very next verse, James 2.1, my brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord, glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. I never thought I struggled with this in my life. I said, of course I don't show favoritism. But I too had to look in the mirror of God's word. And I didn't like what I saw. Because like you, I'm a flawed person living in a flawed world. 
And I don't automatically think about helping somebody without receiving something else. I think all of us have to be honest that the default switch in our hearts is set to selfishness, not selflessness. And it's important that we are aware of this and understand that Jesus calls his followers to something greater. Jesus loves giving without getting. And God used this verse, James 1.27, in a powerful way in my life as, as we were really praying about what the next season of Sunrise Church looks like. Let me explain. About two years ago, I was sitting in a meeting with our elders, and we were assessing the, the, all of the properties that we own, and a lot of them are aging and requiring expensive repairs, and because we couldn't solve every problem all at one time, we were discussing and debating which projects should take higher priority. But we couldn't come to a consensus, so we agreed to table the issue, pray about it for four weeks, and then come back and discuss it again. So over the course of that time, I was really praying intensely, God, would you give me some wisdom in, in, in what we should be doing next? And he brought to mind an old Bible study I did like 20 years ago. It's called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Some of you might have done it as well. And there's this quote from that, that Bible study that was tucked all the way in the back recesses of my memory that God brought to the forefront. And the author said, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. I started thinking about that. Okay, God, when I look at all of the ministries at Sunrise Church, is there one where we see that you, you, you are working in, in, in special ways? And while we see evidence of God all across all of our campuses and all of our ministries, there was one that stood out from the pack, one where we saw the most spiritual fruit, one where we saw the most salvations, the highest volunteer engagement, the most traction across all the campuses, the most inroads into the community, the most gospel seeds being planted. And that was the ministry of the Peace Center. And I sense so clearly God speaking to me, saying, this next season has to be prioritizing the Peace Center. But I wrestled with that. Like, what does that mean? Because, look, let's be honest. A lot of the people that we're serving, they might not ever show up in this room. They might not ever contribute towards this church. And I brought this up to my ministry mentor. You know what verse he quoted to me? James 1.27. Religion that God our Father finds as pure and faultless as this, to care after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Jesus loves giving without getting. And there's a handful of times in my life where I felt I could hear God speaking very clearly to me, and this was one of them. God's saying, you've you got to emphasize the Peace Center. So I called up our elder chairman. I said, Chris, this is what I think God is telling me. And he was quiet for a couple of moments. And he said back to me, I think God's telling me the exact same thing. And so we brought it before the elders and we began discussing this. And as elders often do, they begin asking some of the hard questions of, okay, well, if we, if we make some repairs to our current peace center, does that really solve any problems? What is it that they really need? And the answer was, well, what they really need is a new building. Yeah, well, where are we gonna build a new building? Well, the Rialto campus has a lot of space on its property. Well, how are we gonna pay for that? Something like that is really expensive. Well, you know, a project of this scope would almost certainly require a church-wide giving initiative. You know, why would the other campuses get behind that? Well, because the Peace Center in Rialto is the hub for all of the other local campuses' expressions of this Peace Center. 
And I watched as one by one the elders' hearts around the table began to get excited and united around this idea. We are in full agreement around this vision that we believe the next thing God is calling Sunrise Church to do is to build a new peace center here on the Rialto campus. Yeah. And the moment I came to that realization was when I stopped sleeping for the next six months. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who are not familiar with the Peace Center, what happens in this ministry, we wanted to show you a video to get you up to speed. Take a look. In 2020, the COVID pandemic struck the world. And in a moment, people found themselves in need of food, water, and supplies. In room 148, a small collection of groceries and donations began to form, and a Sunrise team began to meet the needs of the community. The love for the lives of others born in that room began to burst at the seams as God blessed and poured out in abundance upon the pantry. More room was needed to hold the supplies, and we moved the pantry to the South Rialto campus. This allowed us to meet needs, pray with those who came, and see people receive the message of hope through Jesus Christ. As of today, we have over 735 families that we've been able to reach with the, the generous donations from Sunrise Church. 60 people have been uh, prayed for, and we definitely saw three salvations a week ago. The life of the pantry ignited, and as it did, we found a friend and partner in Grocery Outlet a local grocery store that provided more supplies. This relationship grew to include partnerships with Feeding America, Cardenas, Superior, Walmart, Food Finders, and more. These connections opened the door for us to work with Community Action Partnership of San Bernardino County. And shortly after, we began our first USDA distribution days. USDA days were important because the pantry could hand people nearly twice as much food, but at no cost to Sunrise Church. This day continues to be the most widely attended day of the month for our pantries. By the end of the year, God had opened doors for the transition of the pantry to a fully equipped community resource center, and we called it the Peace Center. The Peace Centers now provide for seniors, pets, and those in need of baby supplies. To move all supplies, you graciously provided the Peace Centers with a brand new box truck purchased in late 2021. The purchase of the box truck made it possible to move and distribute food and supplies, expanding our Peace Center to our Sunrise campuses, Victorville and Ontario, in April and May of 2020 and our Banning Campus in October of 2022. From the small pantry in room 148 to the Peace Centers today, we have seen over 375,000 people fed, over 50,000 people prayed for, and over 4,500 people pray to receive the love and hope of Christ. We have seen and experienced the hand of God throughout the last couple of years, stepping boldly into His plans. And now, it's time to take things to the next level.
Yeah, it's been an awesome ministry that God has been opening doors for us, and we've been trying to walk through those faithfully. And so here's kind of how it works. Uh, we take one of, our, one of our staff guys, grabs our truck, and drives out to a food distributor where he picks up lots of food, and we bring it back to our Peace Center hub here in Rialto. There, the food is sorted, distributed, and divided and sent back out to the other campuses that have miniature versions of the Peace Center uh, and their local communities. And so then what happens is people who uh, live near our campuses will then come to the campus where they can receive food and other services, and then after we give them the food, we offer to pray with them. And this is where we see so many people open up their lives, and so many people are open to pray to receive Christ. Why? Because when you meet a physical need, it increases the likelihood that somebody would be open to having their deepest spiritual need met as well. And our deepest spiritual need is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What's incredible is that other organizations are now finding us Places like Life Choice Pregnancy Center and CAP San Bernardino have been giving us baby supplies to be able to distribute for free to people in our communities. Anyone who's ever bought diapers and wipes knows those things aren't cheap. Places like Feeding America and Grocery Outlet have been selling us supplies for senior adults at discounted rates, which we then in turn distribute for free to senior adults in our community. Even places like Walmart in Ontario have been giving us pet food to give out to people for their pets. And what this has done is it's opened up different pockets in the community for us to minister to more people in addition to the food distribution we were already doing. This system has worked out pretty well, but lately we've run into some pretty significant concerns, some pretty significant challenges. And the best way to sum it up is this. We simply cannot keep up with the need of our community. So we have to decide, are we going to temper back or are we going to rise up and meet the challenge? Because as the price of goods have increased, countless families have been pushed to the financial brink. We're hearing stories of people who are having to choose between buying groceries or receiving medical care, between eating or fueling up the tank. And I bet some of you have felt the pinch on your wallet lately as well. And if you felt it, imagine what, who, who people who have fallen on hard times are feeling. I know just the other day, I dropped 100 bucks just filling up my gas tank. And it made me think, well, what about others who are, who are worse off than me? And so the, the, the reality is that we are in a, a crisis point. And our Peace Center has been able to help but lately, that has been challenged, and, and there's four major challenges that we're facing with our current facility. Here's the first one. Number one is storage. If you were to set foot in the Peace Center on the corner of Cactus and Etiwanda, you would find that we have pallets of food stacked floor to ceiling. Cold storage is a massive problem. It's not uncommon for a truck to pull into our lot with countless frozen goods that, that they want to give to us that we could distribute to the community that could feed people for weeks and we have to turn them away because we just don't have any place to put them. On top of all this, this building was never meant to be a warehouse. It was meant to be a church, which means narrow doorways that you can't fit pallets through, which means that all of that food that we're getting is being stacked and racked and put in these little rooms. How is this all happening? Well, that leads us to our second problem and that's labor. Across all of our Peace Center locations, we have 82 highly committed volunteers. The median age of these volunteers is 64 and a half. Our senior adults are leading by example. 
which means that all of that food is getting put in these tiny rooms by people who probably have no business climbing up ladders and lifting heavy boxes. Uh, and even if we had a whole bunch of younger volunteers, it still doesn't account for the amount of hours spent just moving this stuff by hand. What might happen if those hours were reimagined? The third problem we face is traffic. On major distribution days, our Rialto Peace Center has a line of cars that goes down the street, around the block, and gets all tied up into school traffic. The Rialto Police Department has already told us we have to make a change. We're already at a crisis point. We've got neighbors complaining that we're blocking their driveways during trash pickup. You've got the traffic issue. We've got volunteers standing out in the streets. We, we already were at a decision point. And then the fourth problem that we're facing is follow-up. As you saw in that video, we saw over 4,500 people pray to receive Christ. Well, we want to help them continue in that journey to grow as disciples. The Peace Center Rialto is the only one of all of our campuses that's not located next to the church building. And we believe that repositioning it closer to the church will help give us greater discipleship opportunities when we lead such people to Christ. That's not why we do it, but we care about their spiritual lives. We want to see them followed up with. And so we believe that building a new peace center can address these kinds of problems. This is what I want you to do. I want you to picture in your mind the face of a single mother. Let's call her Gina. Gina has three kids, ages eight, six, and three. Gina's job at an Amazon warehouse is enough to cover the rent, pay the bills, and put food on the table. But then one day, Gina's sister calls her, and she's all frantic. Gina's sister has been in and out of rehab due to drug addiction, and now she's being threatened with losing her own children. So she asks Gina if she could help. Without thinking twice, Gina now takes in her sister's three teenage children. And overnight, she went from having three mouths to feed to now six mouths to feed. And those are teenagers, so they count for like double. So now Gina's already thinking about the, the reality of now we're stretching the dollar. How are we going to make this work? And she's feeling the pressure that many of you have probably felt at some point in your life. How are we going to make it? And then one day Gina is sitting in the, in the school pickup line at Trap Elementary and looks across the way and sees a sign that says Sunrise Church. And Gina heard through the community that Sunrise is the kind of church that helps people. They even give out food and supplies. And she thinks, man, something like that could really help my situation. But begins to talk herself out of it. Nah, that's, that's for people worse off than me. Still, the thought of just lightening the burden a little bit is enough to compel her to say, I, I'm just going to pull into the parking lot and just see what happens. And we imagine that after this new peace center is built, when Gina pulls into the Rialto campus, this is what she's going to see.
<laughs> All right. Yeah, let's give God a hand for that. It's exciting. Joining me now is Pastor David Gomez. He's the director of outreach at Sunrise. And uh, David, your team is the one that leads the Peace Center across all of our campus locations. And so we've been involved in this for a long time now and praying about this, this possibility. How can something like this address some of the problems that uh, people like Gina are facing and some of the challenges that we're facing now? Yeah, the amazing thing about this new building is if we build a brand new Peace Center, this is going to be able to attack some of the problems that Pastor Steve mentioned, and one of them is storage. By being able to have a new Peace Center, we have now the opportunity to be able to take in more food, which then in terms allows us to send more food to the different pantries that we have all around the different cities and our campuses as well as pursue some of our biggest dreams yet, which is being able to provide a fresh food pantry. And what does that mean? That means someone like Gina can come and shop, restoring some of that dignity so that she can pick the foods that are necessary for her family and be able to take them home all for free. Yeah, that's great. And so from a cold storage standpoint too, we're looking at having to make some massive increases so that we don't have to say, no to these free distributions coming our way. Correct, yeah. Currently right now we're working with a very small room for cold storage. With this new building, we are looking at making it 10 times bigger. That includes a full room just for freezer space and another room just for refrigerated items. This means, Pastor Steve, trucks would not be turned away. We'd be able to fulfill those freezer spaces and send all of those items, such as chicken, meat, and fish, to all of our different campuses. And so one of the other options, one of the other issues we were dealing with was, uh, you know, labor and all those hours of moving stuff around by hand. How has this uh, addressed that problem? Yeah, some of the issues we have are labor. Yes, it takes countless hours, hundreds of hours to be able to move boxes of food all around the Peace Center. Again, the building was never designed to be a food pantry. It's designed to be a church. And so at this rate, with the building this size, we can utilize tools and machinery necessary to be able to take care of all those labor hours and thus be able to turn those hours of our volunteers into important situations like meeting Gina as a personal shopper, being able to get to know her personally so that we can create relationships with our guests and we no longer see them drive through and just take off. But now we have relationships with those that come to our peace centers. That's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> we know the Rialto Police Department has been very gracious with us. But they have said we need to make a change. How does Correct. this address the traffic issue? Yeah, some of the traffic issues is this. Right now, we're sandwiched between two elementary schools. And so for those of you parents that take kids to school, you know how difficult it is to be able to get through those drop-off lines and to see all that. Not to mention the street that's in front of the Peace Center right now, it's a two-lane street. Mm -hmm. And so with two elementary schools, on top of a free food resource that opens at 9 a.m., it creates quite the traffic jam. Mm. And so with this opportunity to bring it to the Rialto campus, we're allowed to be able to take our volunteers from off the street and in dangerous areas and be able to provide a safe opportunity to serve and as well as take care of those that are in need in a safe manner. 
And we talked about one of the challenges of following up with people like Gina. How do we see uh, this new space helping with that? Yeah, definitely. So the follow-up is crucial. Currently, right now, at the Rialto Peace Center, follow-up is out in the middle of a parking lot. So we're talking about the elements. We're talking sun, wind, rain. Uh, our partners have to go out there in those elements. With this new location, we would have a covered awning to be able to take care of not only just a few cars, but all the cars that come through, also providing our volunteers to get out of the elements. So picture this church. Imagine Gina coming through and being overwhelmed with the amount of love that has been shared through the Peace Center by giving her food, by getting to know her, not just as a number or a car that comes through, but really getting to know her story. Coming outside, meeting one of our prayer partners and accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior right here in our parking lot, just a couple hundred yards away from our church. Then she's able to get plugged in here on a Sunday morning, take our rooted class, and then 10 weeks later, stand on this very stage to be able to hold up a cardboard testimony that says emptied, and then be able to flip it and say fulfilled, not only spiritually, but physically as well. Amen. So that's what we're going for. Pastor yeah. David, thank, thank you for all your hard work. No worries. Thank you for that. <clears throat> So at this time, I want to invite up our executive pastor, Anthony Riley, and uh, obviously we've got a pretty ambitious goal for something like this, and, and buildings aren't free, and so uh, we're looking at a lot of money to be able to make this dream a reality. What are we looking at? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me up. Um, we've been having, like Steve said, countless hours with uh, going over finances, going with lawyers, going over contracts. To make this happen, it's going to cost $7 million. Okay. So that's a lot of money, but this church has a, a, a history of, in the past, of meeting goals even greater than this one. Absolutely. The room you're sitting in actually cost $10.3 million, and many have passed away who helped donate it to purpose this building, as well as those who are still in our congregation. So we did a note for a 20-year uh, 20 note. We actually paid it off in less than three years. So again, um, we also did another project at our banding campus that cost $5.3 million. Again, that was paid off when we built it. So we've always been a church that has been generous and have actually did what God has called us to do. Yeah, and so what are some of the other ways that we could try to get that number down? Obviously, we're going to need some generosity from the church people, but what are some of the other streams of revenue that we can bring in? Absolutely. We're looking at not just going through one funnel, but I'm calling it diversifying our portfolio. So number one is we're going to ask you to pray. We're going to ask you to think about what is God pressing on your heart for this initiative? So some in our church can give a million dollars just like that. That's not me. <laughs> me and my wife put stuff on railway. Amen. But what we're doing is we're doing a 24-month initiative where if you can pray with God, asking God, what will you have me to give? And then divide that by 24 months, and then that's what you would give on a monthly basis to him. That's one way we can attack that number. Another way, many in here know, you might not know, we have actually have another 501c3 nonprofit in what's called Sunrise Life Development. This allows us to contact private owners, private businesses, and they actually donate to Sunrise Life Development because they can actually donate to the church. So we're able to write grants and things of that nature to actually funnel it through to actually, again, bring that number down. But then also in our congregation, our size, we have people who do plumbing, those who do construction work and the alike, who own businesses. So they have already committed to donating. Uh, and again, by 
given us those supplies in Christ. We're able to lessen the load. In fact, we have key members who already have given up to a half a million dollars so far to get us started. So it's not just one way, but we're going to challenge you um, to think through what God wants you to do for the next 24 months. That's what me and my wife are now doing. It's separate from what we give in our tithes and offerings. So, yeah. And then for the current location on Cactus and Etiwanda, uh, when we eventually vacate that, what do we foresee doing with that property? Yes, a couple of things. Uh, we can actually sell that property, and we'll take those proceeds into this property. So, again, it'll be kind of a transitional phase where as we're building this one, we begin to transition, but we stay in action until this actually complete. And I know, based on conversations you and I had quite a bit, that one of the perceptions that we were fearful of is that by pulling out of that section of the community and moving it even just over here three miles away, that those who are in that area may feel abandoned. Uh, what would you say to that? We have already been working on that. We have strategically placed that location so that we can hit the needs of the people in that area. However, we have went one step further with David Gomez and his team. We're now actually going on the actual streets of those individuals. So no longer do they have to actually come to the Peace Center. We're actually putting food in a truck every third Saturday. We start on August 18th and we're taking the food to them. So again, we're not shortening. We strengthen our length. So again, it's just a nexus to bring them here. Amen. Well, I want to thank Pastor Anthony and the elders Amen. he's been working with on all of that to, to talk through that. <clears throat> so Pastor David Gomez, in addition to overseeing our outreach, also oversees our communications team. And so we tasked him with giving some language around this uh, giving initiative. And what they came up with was here to stay. Yeah. So in case you're wondering what all these t-shirts are about, such as the one that I'm wearing right here, uh, that's what it's about. And what it means is three things, for our church, for our city, and for our world. For our church, we believe God's going to change our church as a result of practicing giving without getting. Uh, we, we, want, we want our church to know that outreach is not just a trend, we're here to stay. For our city, we want to send a message loud and clear to all of our campus communities that the Peace Center was not just a pandemic pivot. We are here to stay. And then for our world, there's a whole second aspect of this giving initiative that has to do with global missions. And that's something we're going to reveal next week. So if you're somebody who has a heart for the nations, if you're somebody who feels compelled to want to stretch beyond our country's borders, you are not going to want to miss next week as we unveil how another part of this giving initiative can impact people on the other side of the globe. So as you heard, uh, this, is, this is something that's going to require a lot of faith and a lot of generosity. And so as we conclude our time, I want us to, to challenge everybody to ask God three questions. Question number one, God, will you open my eyes? Ask God to reveal to you who are the people in your lives that you need to practice giving without getting. Who do you need to bless in Jesus' name? knowing you might not get anything in return. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a, a co-worker, a neighbor, a stranger, a friend. Ask God to give you an opportunity by opening your eyes.
That's the first question. God, will you open my eyes? Here's the second question. God, will you open my hands? Will you pray about what your part in this giving initiative might be? And then when God reveals that to you, to come at it with open hands, saying, God, I've been blessed to be a blessing. In fact, today, on your way out the door, you're going to receive this little card. It's, it's actually a giving card. And I want you to know that today we are not going to ask anyone to make a financial commitment. When you walk out the, the, the door and grab this, let this serve as a reminder to you to pray. We don't want people coming into this process uh, impulsively. We don't want people coming into this process emotionally. We want people coming into this process prayerfully. And so would you pray and ask God, God, will you open my hands? And then here's the third one. God, will you open my heart? Friends, the reason why we want to build a peace center and continue to expand our efforts in serving the community is not because we're good people. It's not because we're trying to put positive vibes out into the universe. It's not because we're, we think God will love us more if we do this. The reason why we want to pursue this project is because of what Jesus did for us. You know, one of the reasons why Jesus loves giving without getting is because that's exactly how he treats every one of us. What does Jesus get from me? He died on a cross for my sins. What does he get in return from me? You know what he gets? He gets headaches. He gets me dragging my feet, me turning my back on him, me disobeying, me following after the world. That's what he gets from me. You know what I get from him? Forgiveness. Peace. The promise of heaven. The power to overcome sin today. Who wouldn't want to take that deal? The reason why Jesus loves giving without getting is that's the very thing he did on the cross. And I fully realize that not everyone in here may have a relationship with Jesus or, or those watching online. Here's the good news. Today, we can make that a reality. Today, you can give your heart to Jesus. And if you've never prayed to receive him into your life by faith, to, to just ask him to, to come into your life, to change you, to take over, then I want to help you do that today. In fact, I want to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a deep breath and I want you to assess where you are right now. And if you've never prayed to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then in the silence of your own heart, I want you to repeat these words after me. Jesus, today I give you my life. Jesus, today I give you my life. I believe by faith you died in my place. Today, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I ask that you change my heart so I could leave my old ways behind and live a new life that honors you. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. If you are somebody who prayed that prayer today and genuinely meant it, I believe that you are now a child of God and a whole new journey begins for you. So here's what we want you to do in response. In the programs that you received when you came in is a little connect card and there's a box on here that says, today I decided to follow Jesus. 
I want you to check that box. And in just a moment, our ushers are going to come through and collect today's offering. You could just put your name and information in there, drop it in the offering bag, and somebody from our team will follow up with you to help you walk through this decision you just made. I promise we won't spam you. We just want to help you. And for those of you who've already prayed to receive Christ, but maybe you're just kind of stuck, you're not really moving anywhere, you want to take your next steps, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. You can pull out your phone and text the word NEXT to 909-281-7797. This is our Sunrise number, and one of our staff people is on standby as we speak to exchange some messages with you, to customize a plan for how you can, can get moving, get growing, take some new steps, join a small group, get connected. Maybe you want to serve. Maybe you want to serve at the Peace Center. Text NEXT to 909-281-7797. Or for those of you here present in the room, we have a table right out in the lobby under a big sign that says NEXT. And there's people out there ready to have a conversation for any question you may have. Friends, I want to invite you back next week as we talk about the second aspect of this giving initiative and the global impact it may have. But until then, let's remember Jesus loves giving without getting. It's how he treats us, and now we have the opportunity to do the same for others. So let's go for it. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your one and only son to die in our place. We don't deserve it. We certainly did not earn it. But yet you give it anyway, Lord, and we say thank you. And Father, we've seen your faithfulness over and over again in our lives, Lord. There's people in this room who are living testimonies of your faithfulness. I'm one of them. So Lord, I pray now as we look beyond the walls to the needy, to the less fortunate, to those who are hurting, Father, I pray that you would increase our ability to not just meet physical needs, but to point them to you, Jesus, so that you can change their heart and save them. God, I pray that we would never lose sight of the fact that you love people and desire for them to call upon the mighty name of Jesus. And so even now as we give over our tithes and offerings, may this act be one of a reminder of your goodness and faithfulness and provision and how you will, you will take care of us, especially when we give sacrificially. And so, Lord, we just want to say thank you, and we're believing in faith that you have more in store for us. Lord Jesus, we pray all of this in your powerful name, and if you agree in your heart, then let the church say amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step, so here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word NEXT to the number 909 281 7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.